0: Okay you guys here we go she runs ultra's episode number 30 the big 30 oh, and fun fact actually i ran my very first marathon On my 30th birthday. Yes, it is (laughs) super cliche, I know, but it felt like the appropriate time for cliche, if you know what I mean. Uh, Anyway, it was the Rock and Roll Marathon in Phoenix, Arizona. And of course, at the time, I lived in Boston. uh, And I probably should mention that my birthday is in January. So it's Typically bone chillingly cold in Boston while it's in the high 70s and 80s in Arizona. So, yeah, suffice it to say, I did zero heat acclimation, but I did eat a lot of popsicles afterwards. <laughs> But that is not what we are talking about on today's podcast. For the big 3-0, I wanted to do something really cool, and I've been hinting about it for a couple of weeks now while feverishly working behind the scenes to get it done. And today is the day, you guys. What is this magical thing you might be wondering? I should probably insert a drum roll here, but I don't know that I have the technological skills to do it. Guests. Guests today, guys. Today marks the first of many guests that will be on the show, but we're not kicking things off with just like anybody, (laughs) just any old guests. Nope. This inaugural interview show features Lauren and Annie of the Burf Barf podcast. If you're unfamiliar with these ladies, first of all, where the heck have you been? And second of all, fasten your seatbelts because they are legitimately so much fun. I have been a big fan of their podcast for a while, and I'd highly encourage you to check it out. In this episode, we talk about how they met, how they got into endurance sports, their take on, you know, doing all of these hard things and what they're up to these days when it comes to adventure sports. So, Yeah, plus we'd get into like a whole bunch of other things. Now, please note, this show is going to feature some colorful language. So if you need to pop your headphones in or hit pause and pick us up later, now's your chance. Okay, here we go. My conversation with Lauren and Annie of Burf Barf. just want to welcome Lauren and Annie to the show. Um, These ladies have their own kick-ass podcast called Burf Barf. And uh, in a minute, I would love for you to explain how you came up with that name. But first, like for (laughs) the listeners, can you just give us like a quick who you are and all that jazz so they can have some context as to like, you know, you're amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, it started in 1982, May 31st. I'm I'm Lauren Kraft uh, of of
1: Burf Barf. I'm I'm Annie's better half. (laughs) Uh, I'm an an ultra runner, an adventure racer, a mountain biker, and champion for women in sport. Can I just say ditto? Yeah, that's um, that's a good (laughs) intro.
2: (laughs) So I'm Annie Lang. I'm Lauren's soulmate, um, and the other half of Burf Barf, um, and I am an outdoors person an adventurer so mm-hmm. what in whatever form that means whether it's uh sleeping outdoors um going where no woman has gone before in the wilderness and becoming more competent all the time
0: hell yeah love it i love that so how how did you guys meet like and how did you come up with Burfarf? barf So Burf Barf initially started for for
2: both of us for very different reasons. I just wanted to record some of these conversations we were having on the trail through hours and hours and miles and miles. I was like, I have a terrible memory. I would love to keep some of this for just my own recollection, if nothing else. Lauren, I think, had a grander vision.
1: I don't even remember what it was. It's been so long since we have been doing the podcast, and really, it's changed so much for me, so I can only speak to how I'm feeling in the moment, because every new day... I wipe the slate clean and forget everything I've ever felt. (laughs) So I guess now, really, what birth barf is about for me is uh, making people laugh, uh, getting people excited about um, trying hard things, and and ensuring that everybody knows that like everyone's just as scared as you about this. Like no one toes the line and is like, "I've got this." Nobody knows what they're doing. No, not even like sponsored by Hoka One One dudes. They're like shitting their pants too. So. That's my goal here at Burf Barf.
2: And for naming, originally Burf Barf was, and I have to give you extra credit points, Megan, for saying it correctly. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, B-R-F, B-A-R-F. We're like, no, no, no. Burf Barf. I've been listening for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. So we initially started with Burf Barf being, B-R-F is Best Running Friends and Barf is Vomit. Just actual puke. Yeah. Actual puke and also just a stream of consciousness mm-hmm. of us talking mm-hmm. at whatever comes to our brain. So like a brain dump, our mind, our mind bar. Why people want to listen to that all sense. the time
1: is shocking to us. And yeah. a lot of people, pu- I-, I prefer a formatted show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Although it's funny uh, if we were, we are not this forward thinking, but people have asked us, oh, Burf barf. So it's best running friends, best adventure racing friends. And we're like, no, we weren't into adventure racing when we started this, but yes, we did. But now it is. Now it is that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's totally like, I can see where that, that would make a, a sense for them to assume that, especially since as of late, you guys have been doing a lot of adventure racing. So that's cool. So I'll tell you guys how I found your podcast because sometimes I feel like it's interesting for me to hear when people like how they find my podcast. So I'm just assuming Absolutely. this will be interesting for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. So I had done Barkley in 2019, and then I think it was Lauren the host- big the big boy. No, no, no. BFC. BFC. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not that hardcore. I, I mean, I would like to think that I could, but I th- <laughs> BFC is very hardcore. Uh, But I like, I watched Big Barkley and then I'm like, I'd probably make it two, two laps, maybe like if that, Who, (laughs) you know, who knows. Um, But no, I had seen, I think it was Lauren. Let's just plant that seed and let that grow. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) What did you say?
2: I just said, let's just plant that. You said I, you couldn't do big Barkley. I said, let's just plant, plant that, that seed oh. and
0: walk away. Let's just see what happens. Let that flourish on its own. No, I mean, that's, <laughs> I've thought about that, especially after having done BFC last year and then I'm actually going to do it again this year. Um, see you there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm excited. And I actually want to, I want to learn at some point. I want to hear like how it went last year with double rat jaw. So 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 anyway i had seen i think it was lauren post in the facebook group like after 2019 bfc about maybe it was the pictures at the top of Ratchaw, and somewhere in the thread you had you said something about can't wait to talk about this on the podcast and i was like oh have to find like I want to hear somebody else's take on this like so Mm -hmm. I just I went and found it and I think I listened to that episode initially and then I went back and obviously like binged all of the other episodes and like all caught up on you know all of the current episodes but it was it was interesting to hear like I said someone else's take on the same the race that you had just gone through and how it was very similar, but also a little bit different, you know, cause everyone has their own race experience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, yep. I know. And I think, I think that year I finished like between the two of you, like in terms of time. Um, and so oh, you, cool. yeah, you had mentioned something in the podcast about time. And I remember thinking like, Oh, I was at that point either a little bit before or a little bit after. So I was like, Oh, I must've been like you know, within a couple hundred yards, you know, That's so it was, crazy. Yeah. It was kind of funny. It was, it was cool. So, um, yeah, I've been, I've been a fangirl ever since. I just like how you guys <laughs> awesome. share, like, you know, like you've been talking about the real side of Ultra and you don't really hold stuff back and you just share you know, everything, so that the poop, the puke, the candy, the periods, <laughs> all the food, all the gear miscaps. surviving on Swedish fish, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. yeah, no sleep, like you know, all of the things. So I'm curious as to uh, i when I talk to ultra runners, I, I have like three things that I'm always curious to know, and one is like, how did you first become aware of ultras? because I can think back to when. I was exposed to this idea. Um, The second one is, what was your first ultra? And the third is, how did that experience go?
1: So, Annie knew before me, so I'm going to... Yeah, I think I,
2: you were the tag-along athlete in this. Oh, yeah. yeah always, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I think first exposure to ultras was through a lot of people's. Like, I can remember early in my experience reading Ultra Marathon mm-hmm. Man by Dean Karnazes and reading uh, Born to Run and all of that while I was also training for my first ever marathon uh, that my dad was running for his 40th birthday, 40th, 50th birthday in Hawaii, and we, my husband, Andy and I were ramping up for training for the marathon along with the same time of like reading about ultras. And we had actually looked at a 24 hour ultra the same year as the Hawaii marathon. And it didn't, it didn't pan out. Um, but we did the Hawaii marathon. I think I did like a four, four. 40 or something. I remember distinctly that I did not beat Oprah. I remember that being the thing to like that the gold time. standard. But, like I but know. But Oprah's time is a solid one. Like Oprah's that's time legit... is my
1: exactly to the minute my best time. No shit.
2: <laughs> I feel like that's such good context. So after running the marathon, I was like, "Okay, I have no interest, not even a little bit of going any faster, mm-hmm. but I feel like I could go longer. Mm-hmm. I like don't mind the shuffliness of this. Let's do some more shuffling. So I signed up for uh, my first ultra was a 24-hour one-mile loop called Outrun 24. Oh, yeah. And I was like, hey, <laughs> but you know, worst case scenario, I can stop whenever I want. I'm yeah. right by my car, yeah. I'm out in the wilderness. This is a pretty low commitment rate. Mm-hmm. I'll just go do this. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was essentially wearing like a soft sell- shell jacket. Like, you know,
0: something mm, very cool, breathable, joy. very breathable. Just a trash so, bag.
2: Yes, yeah. Essentially the ultra equivalent of when you see people out in their neighborhood jog wearing a full sweatsuit. Yeah. And a Jansport backpack. Because this backpack. Is what we've been told like, you're supposed to wear. Like your
1: backpack from the fifth grade and it's right. filled with two bottles of water you bought at CVS. Yep.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I was doing the equivalent of that. So in the 24 hour race, uh, Uh, first ultra, I think I did 71 miles or 73 miles. Nice
1: work. You did over 80, but okay. I did over 80 (laughs) miles. Over 80 miles. (laughs) Wow. It's amazing what I know about you and what you know about me and how they don't overlap. And I got
2: (laughs) missed place. You got second place. I got second place. Oh God, are you freaking
1: kidding me? Really?
2: (laughs) I remember the experience. I remember like Crawling into a a frost covered tent in order to eat Oreos while my husband was saying he was having a hard time after stopping the race. And I was like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) I don't have time for this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And thus begins, uh, Running's more important than you.
2: Yes. <laughs> so that was that was my first ultra experience, and then shortly after running the twenty-four hour race, my husband and daughter, as a Mother's Day gift, signed me up for my first hundred, which is not usually how that happens. What a that's nice how thing I're, to do! To but I, I loved it. So that's
1: awesome. Yeah. You ran eighty-two miles, and it was twenty-fourteen. Mm-hmm. I love that she has place, it. I believe you, Amanda Maury. Love that you have it. Oh on. yeah, we have spreadsheets of each other's stuff. <laughs> P.S. We for sure do. Mm-hmm. I know, Just as I said, I know how many like at, uh, virtual races Annie did last year and how she did them. Like we have spreadsheets of everything,
2: and I can tell you who her first kiss was. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and I've deleted that from my memory. Uh, so for me, I was um, I was a runner to lose weight, which was not the best way to come into running because it's like, well, I will punish myself until I lose weight, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of like a. A mean and bloody way to enter the sport, which is just like self-flagellating. Like, well, I guess I got to go sludge it out to lose two more pounds. But uh, it became a love after a, a while. And then I got a really bad injury and became a cyclist because it was a way that I could do it, do sport without hurting my knees. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was uh, really into cycling, like cyclocross road and mountain, um, I met Annie. And I don't know, I think the only time I had ever heard about Riz was through my cousin Christopher, who is a lifelong runner. And he was at Christmas one year and he said, oh, I've got a friend running Mohican 100. And I was like, what's the what? What is, what did you just say? And he was like, yeah, he runs the 100 miler. And I was like, and I asked all the dumb ass questions that everyone asks you now, like, I don't even drive that far. And do you sleep? (laughs) Um, and so I asked all of those. I was like, do you run the whole time? Do you run the whole time? Do you sleep? And I was like, well, what do you eat? And he was like, well, I, and I'll never forget this. He said, I heard that his wife brings him a whole pizza halfway through and he like runs with it in his hands. And I was like, yeah, that seems like what you have to do. Like run with a molten lava (laughs) hot pizza in both of your hands and eat a whole pizza as you run. And that seemed like totally reasonable. Like, okay, that's how people run ultras. That was my only exposure to it until I met Annie. Uh, when her husband said, Hey, it would be cool if you would go running with my wife. And I was like, no, that sounds really intimidating. She's training for a hundred miler.
2: And I'm, I tend to be uh not a lone wolf by pref by preference, but my inclination is that it's easier to just be solo. And mm-hmm. like luckily Lauren doesn't Take no for an answer, really. She was like, I would like to be your friend. I was like, Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just stay just over there and exactly Lauren this was far like, away.
2: But really I would like to be your friend. I was like, okay. And then my husband was like, time. you you two are running together. I was like, sure. And he was like, I set up a time and a place. I was like, okay. Yeah. And then we essentially showed up at the time and place to run together and kickstand around with our feet and we're like, oh, I'm scared hey. of you. Are you scared of me? Hi, Hi. We're, gonna <laughs> run. Run to- we're gonna run we're we'll gonna run together. And like just
1: assessing each other. Just like, what are you strong at? Are you scary? Like,
2: yeah. And it's funny to think in recapping this discussion, it was never like, oh, I'm gonna like uh try and show her up, or but there was no competition at all. It was Mm -hmm. very much like a uh, uh. it it was
1: more like two animals sniffing each other's butts. Like, what are you?
2: (laughs) And also we sniffed each other's butts. (laughs) I just
1: I didn't and at that time I had not signed up for anything so we trained together that whole season in 2014 yeah leading up to my first 100 and so halfway through that training season Annie was like you should sign up for the 50k you're super trained up and i was like that sounds like a pile of bullshit i don't <laughs> i've only raced a 5k yep ew so uh i did because Annie told me to and that <laughs> like that started a 7 8 year Friendship of Annie tells me to do things that are dumb and then I do them.
2: And Lauren says, no, I don't want to. Okay. Yeah.
1: And, and then she then does it anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I that, that day was uh, Annie's second ultra because you did OutRun and then uh-huh. you did. So she ran the 100 and won and I ran the 50K and won.
2: I feel like it's important to add an extra step in here. Lauren, so I started the 100 mile that day. Later on, it was like a staggered start. The 50K runners started their race. Lauren concluded her 50K race, rested, air quote, while being kind of messed up from having run a hard 50k. And then she came back out to pace me up for a lap on the 100 miles. So like, I think it's funny to lead, like burying the lead a little bit that you not only were like, I'm gonna do my first ultra, I'm also just going to throw another 16 miles on top of that. That's how much she yeah. pays me in the middle of yeah. the night. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah,
0: You're definitely underselling that first experience by then going back out again and pacing for another 16 miles. I like to delete it because I got hypothermia after that. (laughs) So I like to like delete the bad part. I think that's pretty common. I, I have whole, there are whole sections of certain races for me that I have zero recollection of what happened because I just like blocked it. It was just... That. Oh, that's like called just... psychological safety.
1: Yeah. That's your brain saying these can't hurt us anymore. Right. Everything must
0: go. We'll just block just them out. Yeah. Chuck them out.
2: So you can totally defer this question if this is something you've already covered since you know this is your podcast, yeah. not ours. But what was your first ultra experience? Yeah,
0: great. Um so my first one was a race up in Maine called the Pinelands 50K. And at that point, I had run a ton of road marathons. I shouldn't say a ton, probably like four or five and a handful of half marathons. And I got into running altogether because my younger brother challenged me to a half marathon. And I I was an athlete. Like I played sports growing up. I played soccer. I did gymnastics and softball. And But the only running I ever really did was, you know, from base to base or as um, punishment punishment yeah punishment yeah, yeah. suicides yeah suicides which I don't think you can call them that anymore but nope pretty sure that's not traumatic ladders maybe <laughs> that's not trauma-informed yeah ladders or um, I'm trying to think of what the other I can't remember but so that was like my running experience and then when I graduated college I played uh, softball in college and then you know when I graduated I had there wasn't really anything to do like adult league softball wasn't really my jam because I had played fast pitch and slow pitch I just couldn't get the hang of I basically struck out every single time it was <laughs> embarrassing because people were like aren't you a collegiate softball player and I was like, like I used to be fast yeah, What is this?" Yeah. I was like I swear I'm good just could we speed the ball up and could it come in horizontally instead of vertically like anyway so I started just That's running challenging yeah, it is, it, and people think it's—I don't know. Anyway,
1: <laughs> I try We don't to,
0: think it's silly. We understand okay, that that doesn't make you. any sense to your brain. It doesn't. It doesn't. My bat speed was so fast, it was, it was, it was bad. Um, so I would just run, you know, to just—I had a lot of energy, so I needed to to, to get it out. So uh, I was living in Boston at the time, and so my brother talked me into the Boston Athletic Association half marathon, which is which is a kind of a cool race. And after that, he beat me. I, he just, he was, he's five years younger than me and super fast. And so. I just kinda, You'll get him. I, yeah. Just wait until you're 50. You'll yeah. crush oh, him. you will oh, and, annihilate him. Yeah. No, he's not fast anymore. He doesn't run anymore. So it's, it's all good. <laughs> you won. I won the race. It's a race of attrition and I won. Yes. <laughs> you, you won the race of life. I because did. Because you're still racing. I did. So fast forward a few years, I did, um a bunch of like the rock and roll marathon series. Cause I felt like if mm-hmm. I could just run from every mile from thing to thing, then it, I would be entertained and I could do it. But it was always, um, to go back to your comment, Annie, about your time. I could never break four hours. I think my fastest road marathon was like 4.11 or 4.06 or something like that. And I just it, it's, That's- Fast, but it ceased to be fun. Like it wasn't fun for me at that pace. Like I was mm-hmm. hauling mm-hmm. ass, mm-hmm. and I just mm-hmm. I wasn't comfortable. and i I didn't know how to train. Like I wasn't doing all of the things that I know to do now. <clears throat> and I was I remember sitting in my apartment in Boston, and it was either just before my last marathon or my right after it. I think it was in like a runner's world. I saw an article about ultras and just, you know, all the highlights, like it's in the woods, you can walk, there's food, like, you know, there's this whole community. And I was like, sold, People done. are nice. <laughs> People are nice. I like threw away my road shoes, That's it. <laughs> like immediately. Um, But then it wasn't like an, until burn another... Burn it down, fuck this. <laughs> yeah. Just burn the whole thing down, like go, go off on it. But it wasn't for... <clears throat> wasn't until gosh, like maybe four years later that I actually ended up running this race. And so I was nervous. I was super nervous, even though I'd already done, you know, four marathons, there's still that, that gap, that unknown gap of, you Mm -hmm. know, between Mm -hmm. the 26.2 that, you know, you can do. And then that like, you know, 31, 32 mark. And I hadn't really gotten a whole lot of, like, I had some trails around me, but it was mostly, you know, dirt roads and kind of like rail trail <clears throat> mm-hmm. but luckily the the race that I had done was actually pretty similar uh, but I was just nervous to like be that's this is my first I didn't like do a trail 5k I just went right for the you know ultra <laughs> uh, yeah go for race. the big bad boy yeah I just, totally just dive Love right it. in that's and how that works yeah, yeah. that's yeah. I think it's it has served, frequently yeah it has served me well I it's I think you just gotta like jump into the deep end <laughs> that's or at least yeah. that's the approach I'm taking Um, I survived, I think I did it in six hours and change maybe. Um, It's great. Yeah. 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 It was good. It was a hot, it was, you know, a warm day and uh, I just kind of, you know, went with the flow. I picked a couple people that I just followed for a long time and just kind of cruised and it was a looped course. So you, it was kind of like a, a figure eight on its side and you did like one big loop and then a little loop you did it three times, I think. Uh, so it was kind of a, it was kind of a weird for me to come through the start finish because that, that Mm -hmm. never happens like in a road marathon, you know? So I'd like see people and be like, yep, I'll, I'll be back, you know? And that's like, oh, I, Mm -hmm. I could just stop now. It's great and awful. It yeah. is
1: great and awful. Yeah, it'd be like if, it, if in a marathon every six miles a guy in a golf cart was like, You are you done? You what wanna go? That? You <laughs> wanna go back? We can go back whenever you're ready. Yeah,
0: just it'd hop really in. add a
2: layer of complexity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um so I got I got over that like the the first time through, I was like, Oh man, I have to do this, you know, three, four, whatever more times. I think I can do it. But it was reassuring to know that like they were there because there were some parts of the course where you were kind of just out in no man's land. And I was like, I'm all alone. You know, there'd be long, you know, there's long sections where you're by yourself. And this is the first time that I was doing it. And I was like, am I going to see some other people? Like, where are all the people? Um, but yeah, so that was, it was good. And and I think right after, I'm sure of right after I was like, nope, that's it. I'm done. And then, the, you How know. How long was it? Oh, it was probably was it like the five to 10 right, five hour days. range or like the one to three day range. No, I think it was like, <laughs> it was within the week that I was like, okay, yeah, I could probably like get behind that. Like it was fun. I was, uh, it was challenging. It was fun. I was outdoors. And again, it for me, I think it was mostly that I could like be hanging out with people and running and it not be just like a knockdown, down drag out competition, which is how mm-hmm. I felt like all of my mm-hmm. road races were. And it just wasn't fun. And every time I finished a road race, the only question and the very first question anybody asked me was, well, what was your time? And I was like, don't you care about anything else than that? Like, did I Mm -hmm. have fun? The experience. The experience. Like, and when I made it a point that when people asked me about my ultra, I didn't tell them my time. I was just like, oh, but I I had so much fun and this and this happened and then this happened. And then eventually over time, people stopped asking me about my times because I was just like, I'm not, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to tell you. It doesn't matter. That's not the point of this. Like the point is that, you know, I went this distance. I had this much fun. I learned X, Y, and Z about myself or, you know, my gear or whatever. And um, so that's kind of like, my whole thing now and part of like why I started my podcast and why I try to help more people and women in general get into this sport. Cause it's, it's so much more about the experience for me anyway. And I think yeah. there's so much to be gained from going out and trying these long races, you know, whether that's a long race for you as like a trail 10 K or if a, it's a hundred miler, there's just so much to be learned and so much benefit from going through that process that, that like I've not gone back and done another road race since. So, yeah. And it's all relative
2: i found too, which I think is super interesting. Cause like when I, I was uh, interested to find that once I started doing ultras, people would be like, oh, well, you know, I've only, you know, I did a 10 K, but I know it's like only a 10 K and people start using these justifiers. And I'm like, yes, a 10 K <laughs> is way harder than what I'm doing in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everybody has their own version of what that thing is mm-hmm. that is going to help them realize more who they are, Mm -hmm. like help them figure out the meaning of life, Mm -hmm. like help them work out the problems of their work or their personal life. And some, for some people, it's going to be running a mile out and back from their house. Mm -hmm. I know that there are people who are doing a mile walk in their neighborhood that are pushing and striving and Mm -hmm. doing the thing as much as I'm doing the thing, training for a hundred miler, yeah. like truly, yeah. Um, and I think having that good perspective of like it's all it's all relative, and you are you are both capable so much more than what you think you are, as well as sometimes that insight that thing that you need is around the block. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there yeah. is no objective far.
0: Yeah, there is no objective far. Yeah, I I think <clears throat> I'd be interested to hear from you guys. Like, so after you did your first one, because I think back to. When I decided to like try to jump from 50 K to 50 miles, like what, how did you know? Cause I think this is, I get this question sometimes, like, how did you know that you were ready to, to do the next distance? So whether, mm-hmm. you know, that's 10 K to whatever, like, how You're did not- you know?
2: My advice would change has changed a lot over the years. So I have found that there is a lot of benefit to what we've called Mr. Magooing it, which is not knowing any better. So like You do
1: really well when you don't know what to be afraid of.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know that like Oh yeah. The jump from 50 miles to hundred K or hundred K to hundred mile is a huge vast distance. If you're just like, ah, I'd like to do it. Yeah. Sometimes
0: that's a route to take. Yeah.
2: And like, I would say as I've grown my experience, I would always point people towards what sounds the most fun mm-hmm. and or interesting to you. Mm-hmm. Don't, be inclined to do a hundred mile because that's what everybody's Mm -hmm. working towards. Mm -hmm. But if a hundred mile, if you do a 50 K and you think a hundred miles seems fun and crazy and interesting, do it. Yeah. I I mean, really like, yeah, yeah. Your body might fall apart. Whatever you'll sort that (laughs) out. But like to me, it really, and what has guided me, especially post COVID has been Mm -hmm. like, what are the pieces that feel and seem interesting and fun to me? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm in the same place. I, I'm. I've kind of landed at a place where a, a lower number seems like more fun to me.
2: But you are also like scraping your skin off doing it. Like you are doing the shorter distances harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I think that's probably
0: true. It is true. Oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't she open more... for interpretation. That's. Just I the will word back. defer.
1: <laughs> I will defer to Annie because I sometimes lack self uh, self awareness when it comes to my training. <laughs> Um, I feel like it depends on what you're after. And I feel like some people don't know what they're after. Yeah. I mm-hmm. feel like, uh, sometimes people are going after, like, I want to manifest the pain that I feel inside my body. And I'm going to do that by racing so hard that the pain comes out. Mm-hmm. Some people are doing it to say, like, I need to prove to my mom that I'm worthy of love. I know this sounds like heavy shit, but it's frequently the, the oh, answer. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I agree. People will say I want the buckle, but what they mean is like, I want to show my husband that I'm a tough person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like, you know, it's like really heavy shit Mm -hmm. is the reason why people go out there. So, I feel like figuring out your why before you go might be super important, and that will evolve. And and you might learn about what the real why is when you're out there. But if you lose sight of your why, I think you're likely to give up and go
0: home. Mm. It's so interesting that you said that because recently I did an episode kind of about that and how just to your point, you might say, oh, I want the buckle or, you know, oh, it's just the next logical distance. But 99.99999% of the time, there's like some deeper reason that you're doing it. And you don't, and I, what I told people was like, you don't have to tell what that deep reason is. Like you can keep that to yourself and come up with like, You know your your kind of like rote answer that you're going to give everybody, but as long as you're super clear um, on what that thing is, that will carry you through. Because not not that my listeners don't know this, but like there's a good portion of many of your races that you're gonna that's gonna suck, that you're not gonna enjoy, that um, are gonna be hard, and you're gonna have to like jump from. This is fun. I'm having a good time, like through those difficult parts and get to the other side. Cause it, you know, it always goes up and down and up and down and having like a really clear mm-hmm. understanding of what's going to push you through that is, is going to be really important. And it's going to be, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. I can't think of a, a better word than it's just going to be the, your like driving force.
1: Yeah i think a lot of us have realized in the beginning of training and running ultras that like maybe the base reason for what why we do what we do might be dysfunctional mm-hmm. I, I was just going to say, yes, say this but and, i, I was going to share sometimes my, yeah. yeah sometimes that dysfunction can evaporate as you go through the flame mm-hmm. and Annie's feeling my vibration yes, yep. I am. and that be- what there's a weird middle space between this dysfunctional reason and then like maybe a good stronger reason. Mm-hmm. And then that in between phase, I know for myself, I didn't feel like racing mm-hmm. until I got to the very base of a better reason to race. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just don't need to run a hundred miles anymore. I just don't care about
2: mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That what was you gonna uh, say when it? you were in your Pearl Jam phase. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so I,
2: I still remember being on, uh, a run that we did an FKT route called Pitchell that goes from the top of Mount Pisgah, North Carolina, down on the Blue Ridge Parkway, essentially, or on the uh, mountains of sea trail, and then back up to Mount Mitchell. And I remember me, you and Morgan talking about like the reasons why we run. And at the time, and for a long time, for the first, multiple years of of running for me it was not feeling like i was good enough mm-hmm. that was what drove me to do ultras is mm-hmm. feeling like i'm not good enough and if i can do these extraordinary things it shows to everyone imagine audience that i'm good enough mm-hmm. and after going through accomplishing these extraordinary things i was like okay i've gotten the opportunity to do you know, 10 hundred milers that I've finished, I've shown up and podiumed at races that other women didn't even want to show up to. Like I've, you know, I've uh, and I've been able to show like myself and others that I'm good enough. And I went through that same thing of like, It's really good to not have this gaping hole that I feel like I need to fill. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh shit. Do I want to race? This has been like this has been driving me for Uh a long time. Uh So like Uh hopeful. What do now?
1: Yeah. So that was
2: a really interesting thing to like start to face to be like, if that that was not the best thing for me as a whole as a person to have that in the back of my brain all the time but it served me in some of these athletic endeavors
1: yes mile 70 to 90 in the middle (laughs) of the night while like weeping and eating cheetos slapping your face and being like
3: if you don't do this you're a
1: bitch (laughs) no one will ever love you because
2: you're a piece of shit (laughs) i will finish i will i will do it so there was a short time where it was like i shouldn't say short time where it was like you know, you'd get to that point of like, if you can't do this, then you're still a great person. And you love yourself. And you're like, whoa, Uh (laughs) whoa, no reason to finish mile 70 to
1: 100. (laughs) Guess I'll go nap.
2: Yeah. So now it's like, I find that my driving force is more like, these are the things that i enjoy doing these are the things that i'm interested i'm interested to see what happens to me mm-hmm. when i've been out in the woods for more than 24 hours mm-hmm. that i'm interested to see if this thing that i think i can't do if i'm able to do mm-hmm. and understanding that you know whether i'm able to do it or not that i'm still a whole invaluable person mm-hmm. and driving that yeah. motivation that way there's
1: still a big pile of functional good reasons to race. Cause I was in that space in between for a long time too. Hey, there's a ton because you like it because the outdoors, because the community, because women and what you want to show what women can do. And mm-hmm. also women are great in endurance sports mm-hmm. and they can beat men. Mm-hmm. So if for me, there's a lot of like, I I'm feel lucky that I never got I never felt held back by being a woman. And I feel like I grew up in a lot of spaces where people fortified my ability to do whatever I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't feel held back, but I do feel like I went through a period of time in cycling and short races where I was like, well, women will never win these races. Mm. We're always 45 minutes behind the men. We're always 15 minutes behind the men. And then I see people like Courtney DeWalter Mm. um, and Maggie Goodroll, and I just see them, beating men overall. And I feel like, okay, we found the space where we can prove to you our tenacity mm-hmm. and our our physical prowess. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel excited for women. Yeah. It's also been it.
2: an incredible experience to be able to, I, I feel like when talking about women in ultras and doing these crazy hard things, a lot of times, at least for me and my perception from others is the feeling of yes, women should absolutely be at these altars or doing these hard things. It's someone else, though. It's another woman that's mm. doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yes, absolutely. Like, yeah, Courtney DeWalter, Maggie, cool. Yeah. I wish I could do that. But not me, right. Yeah. And yeah. now being like, you know, we've been podcasting and talking about all this dumb shit we've been (laughs) doing for years now where understanding and kind of coming into our own and owning the idea of like we're not talking about just other women Mm -hmm. doing these things we are the ones showing up and doing these Mm -hmm. things and hoping to convey to others like we're not talking to someone else Mm -hmm. we're not talking to you about your stronger older sister or your neighbor we're talking to you you you
1: you
0: can yeah. go do the thing. Yeah. You are 16 and a half minute pace.
2: You, yeah,
1: beautiful, yes. luscious you.
0: Yeah. I think that's like, you know, to going back to, I think it was Annie's point about, um, you know, pace on a, on a trail race. It's, it's not about, it's not about pace and it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, like how fast you're going to go. It's the fact that you're just showing up and doing it. And sure, maybe the first time you don't make the cutoff. So what, like, I think the the failure piece is also like a really big hurdle. Cause I know that that for me, um, I grew up not being a very good loser, like very sore sport, like bad sport. Like if I didn't already know that I was going to win, like I, I wouldn't play. And so for me, this process has been figuring out, okay, I don't have to win. <laughs> I'm probably not going to win. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not going to win any of these races, but that doesn't mean that I can't show up and participate and that there isn't some sort of a win in there for me. Um, and I think that there are a lot of women out there that, that would do these races if that type of pressure was taken away from them. Like you don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to win your age group. You don't like, you don't have to do any of that. You can simply show up and participate at whatever level you're at, and still have a really good time, meet a lot of really cool people, have a fun experience, learn a lot about yourself, and then let that carry you forwards into the next thing. And whether that's farther or shorter or something different, like a, a move into like adventure racing, like you guys have done. It's like, just do, just don't. I get frustrated when I hear people say, to your point, oh, that's for somebody else. It's like, but you're already a runner. You've expressed interest in this thing. Why not just show up and do it? And that it's like fear, the time objection. Like I don't have time to train. So I'd love to hear like mm-hmm. how you guys do it. Cause I can, like I talk about it all the time, but I want other people to have, like want people to hear how other people do it, but there's all these objections. Um, and I think when it really comes down to it, if you're not, Connected to that why of why you want to do it, you're just going to make a ton of objections all day long and never, never step out and do the thing.
2: Yeah. And I think about something I saw recently about making art of any kind, whether Mm -hmm. it was like drawing in a sketchbook or whatever. And the statement that stood out to me is there is still value in doing a thing not well. Yes. (laughs) Like, and I, I come back to that so often where it's like, you know, especially having an eight year old daughter Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's important to me for her to find things that fulfill her as she grows up. And it's like, if she makes stick figures with a crayon for the rest of her life, but she loves doing it there, there's always this natural Mm -hmm. inclination to want to be like, well, you should get better all the time. Mm -hmm. It should just be better, better, better. And it's like, are you getting, are you getting what you want from the experience Mm -hmm. as you're having it now, Mm -hmm. then you don't need, you don't have to feel pressure to change that unless that is coming from you. And it aligns with your priorities. Like if I walk, every ultra that I do from here until the rest of the Mm -hmm. rest of my life, that is okay. If that's what the experience that I need to have. So I just, I love that idea. The value of not doing a thing well. Mm, That's cool. I like that (laughs) perspective.
0: And I feel like you have to do it not well for a long time before you ever start to do it. Well, whatever it is, whether that's running, Mm -hmm. whether that's, you know, your work or whatever, like you have to be willing to, to suck at something, (laughs) which I wasn't like, that was the thing.
2: and if you never give yourself that grace, how are you ever going to be more than what you are right now? Yeah. Like with with going from you know road stuff to trail stuff to stuff that goes overnight to doing stuff that you are using just a map and compass mm-hmm. when you're alone with your with other people. If you don't give yourself that flexibility, that it's like I'm not going to know what I'm doing mm-hmm. for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Then you will never you will you will put this insurmountable wall in front of you to exploring the other things that you could be doing. Yeah. yeah,
1: Yeah. And also like neither winning nor finishing have to be the thing. Like this is kind of a Buddhist perspective, but the work is the thing, Mm -hmm. not the, so the training and the actual act of the race itself, those are the thing too. And I feel like a lot of people think my 16 week training is not the thing, throw that all in a bucket and I did it. And the race is not the thing either. It's Mm -hmm. getting across the finish line in this very specific amount of time and having the belt buckle. And then if you throw away all of the work of the thing, you're throwing away the Mm -hmm. thing. And that's just so much the important part. And I feel like I was in that space for a long time, the beginning of my racing career too, because I feel like if I failed, it all went in this shit bucket. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like all the training and the race that I failed at, it all goes in this bucket of shit. Well, Well, wait a minute. Yeah. I had like 50 good runs in that bucket. Yeah. Why did I just throw them away? Yeah. Uh, yeah, There's just so much. And there's just so much to be enjoyed. Like, I just don't rush through things anymore. I like to try to be like, you know, because even if the race sucks, you don't finish it or you don't win it. Like, I remember this great part where like we ran with our pants down for 20 minutes and we laughed <laughs> our asses off. And like, just the
0: the middle is the thing. Yeah, the middle it's the is process. The thing. I think that's yeah. that's the thing is like getting people to understand that it's the process of doing all this. Like the training isn't just to get you there. Like the training is part of the process. It's part of the experience. And if it sucks, then, you know, your race is probably going to suck. So if you can learn to enjoy the process and make that the best thing possible, you know, learn all of the lessons that you need to learn in your training leading up to it, that when you get to the race day, you'll be that much more, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally prepared for what you're going to face. If you just kind of like hammer down and just try to like suck it up and power through the training, but you're not really taking the time to process any of it. It's just like, oh, got to run like you do the same route or you just, you know, you, you blow through it. It's not the same. At least I don't think yeah. so. I mean, from my... Yeah. Do
1: it because you love
0: it mm-hmm. while knowing that it will suck. Mm-hmm. You'll
2: not always like it, mm-hmm. but you, yeah. you may, yeah, you may yeah. always love it. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: like a partner. It yeah. is. It's like a partner. You you can say that you love it and you won't always like it. I think that's totally on the money.
2: Uh, Megan, you yeah. asked a uh, question about like time devoted to training yeah, for yeah, older. Yeah. And I always feel like that's an important thing to address and like this answer is going to come off a lot more hard ass than I intend to, <laughs> but I think it is what it is. Um, you should, you should align your action with your priorities. Mm-hmm. So the idea or the objection about not having time, I often feel is invalid, even for my own self, like there, how much time do you spend? Like, unless you're somebody who never watches television, there's some time, unless mm-hmm. you're a person who never watches sports, there's time that could be allocated mm-hmm. like i i just think that there is that if you're saying that it's because you don't have enough time what you're actually saying is there are other things that are a higher priority yes. for me to devote my time yes. to and that is okay too mm-hmm. but i think it's important to be clear that it's not that you don't have enough time to run it's that you it, don't want to It's yes. that you don't want to yes. over these other things yeah. and if that if that, that that statement doesn't ring true for you then examine what you are spending your time for mm-hmm. I'll, like for example and this is just a small a small piece i don't enjoy cooking meals like mm-hmm. that's a thing that i don't do so one of the things that frees up my time to do something else is not like cutting and cooking and doing stuff for for making meals mm-hmm. and figuring out options that work for my family that don't involve mm-hmm. my time and that's time that I spend training mm-hmm. and I'm I'm cool with that. yeah there is no. There is no shoulds. We should stop mm-hmm. leaning into the things that we feel like we should be doing mm-hmm. and should focus on those. Should we, sh- <laughs> we will do those things mm-hmm. that we want to be doing, not things that we feel like we should be mm-hmm. doing.
1: Yeah. I think that's a lesson that I learned from Annie. It's like, is my lawn actually important to me? No. Is running five miles? Yes, very much. Mm-hmm. So fuck my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, also, I'm so like, happy you said that. Cause I think that's, that's a big part of it too. Just like if y- y- I get a lot of, or people often say like, Oh, I wish I could do that. You know, kind of going back to what we were talking about before. And then they'll start to list all of these things that are impediments or that are in front of them. And I'm like, it's hard for me to resist solving those problems for them because that's kind of like my Sure. Thing. But I'm like, okay, but how can you solve for that? Like, and to your point, is it big enough? Do you want it bad enough? And my thing is always, I can't want it for you more than you want it for yourself. Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: Cause what they're saying to you is, I wish I wanted to. Yes. They're not saying I wish I could. Right. That's very different. Yes. But if you say that to them, they're like, that might be like, you're kind of a bitchy friend. <laughs> <laughs> but so holding I just up don't. that truth mirror, though, like that. Yeah, that's I just don't. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I, I'll just say like, if you liked it a lot, you probably would dig out the time. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. take out your phone and go to screen usage mm-hmm. and see that you spent mm, 19 and a half hours on Instagram this week. Mm-hmm. That seems like a whole training season to me. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally.
2: And I do think I see part of our roles within this community that we've kind of set up is removing the barrier of because I feel like another part of that statement of saying I don't have enough time is the underlying thing is I don't think I could do that. Mm -hmm. So I I, and not that, you know, not that I couldn't devote time to do that, but I can't run an ultra Mm -hmm. or I would not be able to do that thing. So trying to remove that fear of like, hey, if going back to what we said earlier, If you just show up, Mm -hmm. something will happen. Mm You just have to show up. Mm -hmm. I think something that we should
1: check in, though, at this moment that we're forgetting is our privilege backpacks.
0: Yes. Because
1: we are middle-class white ladies who live in the fucking suburbs. So let's talk about people who have to work 70-hour weeks in order to Mm -hmm. feed their children. Let's talk about people with huge commutes, and that's the only way that they can get to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about people for whom, like, like geographically and physically speaking this is not accessible to them yeah. yeah they live in a dangerous neighborhood they they don't want to run at night and that's the only time yeah. they can run so like there is we have very big backpacks filled with a very big yeah. leg up to begin with mm-hmm. so well, the plane that we're saying to harden the fuck up from is the one of what white female suburban privilege mm-hmm.
2: yep no, thank you for pointing that out because you're absolutely right. And especially playing in the in the fields and genres of endurance sports that we do, it is... Uh, it's expensive. It takes a lot of time. Yep. And we, we have a lot of
1: what we call in social work, natural supports. Yeah. We have family members who will take care of things, mm-hmm. take care of dogs, kids, meals. Yep. We, we have an, a tremendous amount of support.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think like the beginnings of that for people who don't have that is to try to like, you know, combine forces with other people who want the same thing. So maybe you have a friend who also wants to run, but you guys have kids. So like, maybe you can't run together, but you could trade off, you know, kid duties or, you know, just some sort of, we have Mm -hmm. to come up. I think we have to get a little creative with this. And I'm also in that, in that situation where like, I don't have kids. It's me, my husband and and our dogs. So I don't have that, um, element to factor in having kids. But, you know, sometimes we do have to get creative with how we do our own training. He's a cyclist. He rides a lot. And so we have to trade off, you know, dinner and household chores and dogs. And you have to really get buy-in from the people in your circle, whether that's your immediate family, or if it's, you know, extended family, you like, You have to kind of involve other people. And I know for some, that's also an obstacle because they don't want to impose on others. And so I I get that it's, it's definitely wrapped up in a lot of things. Um, but I I appreciate a lot the support, the community supports that are coming to your point, Megan, for
2: example, uh, trail sisters, which I'm just a huge fan of the trail sisters organization, Mm -hmm. um, has been doing childcare grants. Like I think they just awarded like wasn't it it was a it was, it was a, a large lot. amount of hundred and fifty dollar childcare grants for women to utilize for child care in order to be able to go out and train and do races, you know, within the adventure racing community. The uh, USARA Adventure Racing Association has a DEI task force to work through what are the barriers to being able to do adventure racing, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's gear and providing like gear closets that are available for people to utilize, um, organizations that are working to make training opportunities more accessible so Mm -hmm. having training sessions in urban areas rather Mm -hmm. than like you know in the boonies of Virginia where the race is for example or where orienteering Mm -hmm. clinics occur
1: yeah I think it's important to talk about the how because we can say like we want you to show up we want you to show up Mm -hmm. please show up all you have to do is want it and then we have to say okay what are the actual tangible ways we can make it accessible for you and I feel like we try to be, I know that Annie, you know, she's a part of that task force and we are obviously very in touch with trail sisters and everything that they do, but actually finding real ways that to make it work for people is also mm. important.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what would you say, like, if you could give someone who's kind of on the edge, like deciding they they want to do an ultra, they need a little push, like what's a piece of advice maybe that you wish you had known in the beginning or, you know, something that you think would help them kind of get over that hurdle, bite the bullet, you know, sign up. As a, as a solo
2: as a solo person, I hesitate to give this advice, but it's what I would have wanted to know earlier and it would be to go to a group trail run. Hmm. Yeah. Because having these uh, individuals in my running life as anchors, you know, and people that are touchstones for me, whether yeah. it's Lauren, whether it's the group of women I'm still meeting with for coffee on a, you know, at least bi-weekly basis that these are relationships that came from legitimately my first group trail run where I met Morgan at my, like one of my first ever rocks and roots trail runs. And mm-hmm. she's somebody that is still in my daily life years later. Um, <laughs> awesome. So I, you know, so that's what I would say as a piece of advice is to, is to go to a group trail run, especially one that um, touts itself as a no drop group mm-hmm. run, because then that takes that piece of pressure off. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I'm saying this as a solo person. So I get if, if person listening who needs a push, you're feeling like that's not for me. I just give it, give it a try. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: mine is very much from a mental health aspect as usual. Um, Mine would be get a therapist first.
2: (laughs) Tell me more about that. So you're
1: thinking about running an ultra step one, get a therapist. (laughs) I don't mean that in a silly shitty way. Like, are you an idiot? (laughs) Like do something better with yourself. I think that the, I mean, get a therapist. If you feel like your reasons for wanting to do it, are dysfunctional Mm. because I feel like a lot of us come to ultra running from addiction, from depression, you know, the black dog comes Mm. for us all. And I feel like it, you're gonna like it more if you can resolve these issues that plague you. And instead of running like from them or with them or because of them run for the love of the sport.
2: Mm. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to make light of your advice a little bit, but yes, uh, I would say to also build a relationship with a professional, a professional coach. I so starting out, there was a lot of like banging my head against the wall to kind of figure out how to ultra and getting a running coach was super, super beneficial because it was essentially the benefits of having a trail running partner, but with being able to have a one-on-one session and knowing that the person on the other end is an expert in their field. Mm. So if you feel like you don't know where to start, I would say start with a running coach, you know, rather than Googling mm. hundred mile ultra training plan oh or whatever. God. You can do that too. It will just take you maybe longer and a few more injuries to get. What I, you're oh my god! To go. How many
1: times do we roll? I mean, I rolled through Ultra Ladies Training 100 twice <laughs> Same. and was like. Why do my feet feel like they're falling off? Why do both of my IT bands not work? Why do I cry all day? Oh, it's, I'm like, oh, it's because I'm running 70 mile weeks, four weeks in a row. Why? Because you did back-to-back 30, 20 mile weekends. Literally, the ultra ladies training and the Rob Carr plan for the 50 miler yeah. were 30 and 20s on yeah. the weekend. And I'm like, why am I crying like a toddler in the bathtub at night? Yeah. Oh,
0: it's because I haven't slept and I ran 50 miles in the last two days. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen a lot of it. i I can remember actually Googling hundred mile training plan" and coming up with that one. And at the time I, I had had a running coach when I was tackling some of my road marathons and it was, it was a good experience to get going that way. Ultimately we just weren't a very good fit for one another. So that's the other thing I would say is like, just because you have one coach doesn't mean all coaches Either are awesome, yeah, or, or yeah, yeah you like gotta shop therapist. around, find your best one. <laughs> and then I looked for online training plans and came up with that one. And I knew instantly that that was not going to be good. I'm like, how is it possible that you would jump? I actually oh, found. Oh, well, you're smarter than yeah. us, Megan. I we mean, both
2: definitely did it. Oh,
0: we should have called you. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't. I, I think I tried it for like two weeks, and then it, it the jumps just got to be too big. And I was like, I'm out. I gotta like figure out how to do this some other way. So I like cobbled together some training plans I I had like I was like a spreadsheet like maverick I had like all the spreadsheets out and I was trying to like make them work together and copy and paste and but yeah it's it's that plan in particular it always like it's the one that everyone is always like how are people doing this <laughs> yeah
1: how I don't know how we had no lives
0: we missed her Magooda we yeah. had no lives we didn't know any better yeah it's it's crazy It's crazy. Um, I, I want to be mindful of your time and I just want to kind of touch on the fact that you guys have now got into adventure racing. So it's, you, you kind of went from ultras into adventure racing, which I think is really cool. So, and I know that you are trying to be, and you already are, but like real good ambassadors for that sport as well. So can you talk a little bit about how you got into it? Like what you love, what you've learned?
2: Yeah, so we got into adventure racing by fellow tough woman, Laura Calmtoys who was my physical therapist, and she has been adventure racing for over a decade, and she was, for a while, was like, hey, hey, you should come check out adventure racing. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, <laughs> and uh, finally, at one point, I was like, okay, I'm just going to look up, like, an adventure racing calendar, and I, I don't think, even before we went to the race, that I had a good understanding of what it was because I was asking Laura questions like, in what order do you do the sports? Oh, so I remember and, that. Yeah. So adventure racing is showing up to an event and you navigate using a map and compass and you move your body through space in one of usually three ways there's usually an on foot portion an on bike portion and an on water portion which is off, most often a canoe sometimes it's kayaks uh, sometimes
1: it's a boogie board
2: sometimes it's a stand-up <laughs> paddle board yeah and, literally and yeah. you don't know the discipline details or what the course is going to look like until you show up so the unknown piece is a high part of Ooh, experiencing it the can sport. be spooky so we did our first adventure race in 2019 uh, which was the No Sleep uh, Adventure Race in Indiana, and we had the best time—super time. There was a portion of the river, the river course that had a bar set up on a sandbar with a sign that said the Sandbar, and we were, we were like, like oh, real—look
1: like at the beers and margaritas. Oh and we were like, "We love it here. We love you. It was so we'll great. be back."
2: And like, it was—it was hard in this new, novel way, and like, it's just another niche area where there's. just just not very Mm. many women. Mm -hmm. So like, Mm -hmm. it was, it's cool to just kind of continue to worm our way into these different disciplines in the outdoors of just people doing extraordinary things and being like, Hey, any women over here? Nope. Okay. (laughs) We'll be here.
0: (laughs) Don't mind us. We're just coming in over here.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And like, I mean, Lauren had like retaught me how to ride a mountain bike, like like a month before the event so like it's just all of the things that I've come to love about ultras which is finding that I'm able to do these things I didn't know I could do it's that times a hundred in adventure racing where it's like I don't I don't know how to clip into this rope and pull my body across the river I guess I'm gonna do it right
0: now (laughs) no time like the present
2: (laughs) and there's a big team aspect in adventure racing Mm -hmm. which I I think is dope and obviously like I'm very much into uh, women and teams and groups and going and doing these things so um
1: yeah we are still i must say like when i see people doing ultras like wearing like swishy hiking pants and like a jansport pack we are the those guys of of adventure racing we're still like manually inflating our raft while people are in full wetsuits, like bringing their own inflators and we're like oh oh okay that's how we I see that that's how you're supposed to do it now. We're just like sitting on the ground in a pile of poison ivy eating m ms Like I'll make a boat go. Like we're still wearing the wrong gear and figuring out how to row a boat. And like, there are just, we're tweaking a lot of the aspects of the finer points of, of adventure racing.
2: And one of the, the things that I so appreciate from running ultras is the ability to Go into a scenario, Mm -hmm. not being sure if I can do a Mm -hmm. thing well, that was something that I was really not comfortable with, like in college and starting my career, I felt like I needed to know how to do a thing well before Mm -hmm. I could do it, whether it was applying for a job or whatever. And running ultras gave me that skill set to be like, I am competent. Like I may not know how to do a thing, but I can and will figure it out. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't developed that skill, there's no way I would be into adventure racing because I would have felt like, oh, well, I have to know how to do all these things before I try and go do them. And being able to show up to an event and being like, I'm not I don't know how to do this now, but I'll sort it out.
0: Oh, I love I'm that just you said that developing that courage. <laughs> yeah, I think that's super important. And I love that you brought that up because I think <clears throat> goes all the way back to the beginning of our conversation. It's like, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm just going to show up and try and see what happens. It taps back into that idea of it's okay to fail. I I still don't like the word fail. I think we should come up with something else, but I don't, I don't need to to know every, you know, cause I was one of those people that needed to know all the steps. Like if I just know this first step, I now feel like, okay, I can, I can see where I need to go and I can figure out the next step. And it might not be the exact right one, I might have to make a step to the side or go backwards and then go forwards again. But it's just given me personally, and I know for a lot of women, uh, the ability to have that that confidence in themselves to be able to be like, okay, I don't need to be afraid or scared or nervous about this stuff, I can show up, you know, be myself, put my best effort forth and just, you know wing it and see what happens and whatever happens, it's going to be, you know, an experience and an, and an adventure for sure.
2: Yeah. And I think, um, we should use, we can, should continue to use the word adventure when it comes to athletic endeavors Mm -hmm. all that more often, because when people think of adventures, they don't think about going and doing the thing perfect. The first time Mm -hmm. they think about this epic event that occurs Mm -hmm. where you're waiting to see what will happen and adapting to it. Yes, And to me, adventure just encapsulates that so well, like, you know, adventure racing, like even just thinking about like ultras and being like, doing an ultra is an adventure. Mm -hmm. It's not like a thing to complete. It it is an adventure Mm -hmm. because no matter what, whether you fail or don't fail, you will have had the adventure. Yes. The
1: essence of adventure is something went wrong. Mm -hmm. If you go out and do an ultra and it goes perfectly Mm -hmm. and you ran and you brought the right water and the right food and you took it all in at the right times, nobody puked and you got second place. Yay. (laughs) That's not an adventure. That's a race. Right. But if you know, if you fell off of a small cliff and three people had to pull you out of it and then you got stung by eight bees and then a snake was nearby, that was an adventure. Wait, are Like you t- things went wrong. This is- Talking was- about BFC, yeah. it sounds a little bit like BFC. <laughs> D- the murder hornets or whatever they're called. Yeah. Something I feel like in- that's what makes adventure, adventure.
0: I love it. I think we should end on that note because I think that's like, the perfect way to just wrap up an entire conversation about ultras and adventure racing and all of that. So ladies, thank you so much. I'm so, I'm having a fangirl moment that you chose to come on and hang out and share your experience. And, um, I will link up your podcast in the show notes here so that everybody Rad. can come and we appreciate it. check it out because it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's so, I think it's just really fun to hear other women's experiences, uh, Real, not like the sugar coated versions. So, <laughs> thank you. You will for... never get that from us. Yeah, no, I know. And that's what I count on every single time. So, <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> also, Thanks, awesome. Thank agree. you. Thank you. Okay, well, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Like I said before, I'm a huge fan of these ladies and the example that they are setting for athletes everywhere. So make sure that you go check out their show, Burf Barf, and follow along on their like pretty epic adventures, you guys. Some of the stuff that they share and talk about is super inspiring and just flat out awesome. A real quick reminder that applications for my group coaching program, Run Farther, Faster, Stronger, are Open. So this is for women and men of all ages and abilities that want to incorporate more strength and mobility into their training plan. So whether you've got your sights set on a 5k or like a 500k, one of these epic adventures that Lauren and Annie talked about. This program will help you to build a solid training plan that encompasses all of those elements that are required to go farther, faster, and stronger. So head on over to my website, megan-gould.com. So that's M-E-G-H-A-N-G-O-U-L-D. Dot com forward slash run farther, faster, stronger. And there's a dash in between each of those r- words. So run dash farther dash faster dash stronger. It's a mouthful, but it's the simplest way to get it done. So you can apply there or I will um, put the link in my show notes here. All right. Last week, I shared a little snippet of what one of the group members, Ben, had to say about the program. And this week, I actually want to share what Natasha had to say. So check it out. If you could go back in time, like what would you tell Natasha back then? Sign up because it's going to be fun and you're going to learn so
3: much stuff. <laughs> All you see is people just running. All they do is run. They don't, they don't do anything else. And it. To me, it's like, well, how can you just do one thing and that be everything? Like what kind of prompted you to sign up for the program in the first place? I think trying to figure out scheduling everything, plus the getting injured all the time. I figured there had to be something that can be done to minimize that, but still be able to get out and run and do the different... Because I would do the CrossFit and then i try to add running into it. And then I was like, well, am I supposed to be doing both on the same day? Am I supposed to be breaking it up? How am I supposed to be stretching? And it was basically all of that where I had no idea.
0: (laughs) What am I supposed to do? What was your expectation about the program before we actually hit go and you got to like really see what we were going to do? I was nervous because I didn't know what
3: it entailed. Like, would I be doing something crazy that would be pushing me too hard where I'd be like, I can't do this. (laughs) Or would it be like, oh, this is, I'm not enjoying this. This is, that was my main thing was, am I going to learn anything? Am I going to enjoy the everyday? Am I going to enjoy be, you know, having
0: a schedule and having to do different things? That was my main,
3: am I going to like it? am I going to be miserable?
0: (laughs) If you could describe the program to somebody who is thinking about it, what would you say about it? You know,
3: I'm in this class right now that I was having problems with my feet and my ankles and my calves and my legs. And I said, and all the stuff that she's having us do throughout the day and the weeks, I said, everything is feeling so much better. I said, I've learned how to have mobility, how to not so wobbly. Mm -hmm. Like I feel more straighter. (laughs) I said, so it's, it's good that we get to learn all the different sections of how to just have better bodies.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: I want to keep going and doing something (laughs) every day.
0: right you guys make sure that you apply ASAP because spots are filled on a first come first serve basis meaning I offer spots to qualified applicants in the order that they apply so it behooves you to get in there early now if you're experiencing this heat wave that we're having here in the northeast just a little reminder to stay cool stay hydrated enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon.